You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our it's review be a of Palm Springs. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. You want to uh, dance? You know the officiant? He's got a bag of sweets in his pocket. You were right. Got him. I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. I hope it's not all meaningless. At least you have each other. Nothing worse than going through this shit alone. Stop! There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Palm Springs, and the story is as follows. Stuck in a time loop, two wedding guests develop a budding romance while living the same day over and over again. The film is starring Andy Samberg, Kristen Malati, Peter Gallagher, and J.K. Simmons. It is directed by Matt Barbacow and written by Andy Sierra. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hello, everyone. Dan Baer. This dentist glues teeth. (laughs) Josh Parr. Hello, hello. Amanda Spears. Hello. And Cody Derricks. Hey, uh. It's going to be a beautiful podcast, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because Palm Springs uh, debuted at the Sundance Film Festival uh, early this year. It's actually the highest acquisition title in this in the festival's history. Neon picked it up, and because of Neon's partnership with Hulu, that's how we have uh, Palm Springs now on Hulu during this time uh, where movie theaters are not open. So it's kind of it's kind of great actually because this was one of the breakout hit films that got a lot of really uh, strong notices at the festival. Everybody kind of figured it would be a hit movie uh, due to its comedy, its premise, uh, the romance. Uh, between Andy Samberg, Kristen Malati, and I love that people are getting a chance to actually discover it on a wider level now because it is streaming uh, during this time, which is very, very uh, nice. So it's also kind of, uh, 
ironic in a way that this is a movie where uh, characters are reliving the same day over and over. And that's exactly what we are doing every day, I feel like, when we wake up. <laughs> so yeah. uh, there's a lot to relate mm-hmm. to in this. Um, and, you know, I think that there is a reoccurring theme lately of how, you know, with Hamilton last week, we, you know, we had the D- Defy Bloods. And it just seems like releases feel very timely lately for what it is that we're going through during this pandemic. So I'm curious to know what everybody thinks about this film. I really loved it. I think I made that very clear uh, when I saw it back at Sundance earlier this year, but I'm very, very curious to hear everyone else's thoughts. Why don't we start off first with Amanda. Amanda, what did you think of Palm Springs? I thought it was adorable. Aw, that's sweet. I, I wish, very nice. you know, the ending, they'd like J.K. Simmons have gotten out of the loop, but uh, otherwise... Uh, I I did think it was really adorable and one of Andy Samberg's best film performances. Mm, yeah. So we got a Golden Globe front runner, people. Yeah, yeah, maybe two. Exactly. Sorry, Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not, not sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, thank God. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's hear now from Dan Baer. Dan Baer, thoughts on Palm Springs. Um, it's almost sickening how perfect of a movie this has turned out to be for this moment. Um, watching it, especially as a single person in the time of Corona is, I got surprisingly emotional about it, especially this second watch through. I, and that's the big thing that I took away. Like this holds up so well on a rewatch, like. There are all sorts of things that are seeded throughout the first act of this movie that you watch it a second time and you go, oh, my God. Um, And it's really just really smartly done. And I love how it really goes through like all the implications of the time loop phenomenon. Yeah, even though the concept itself of like the time loop, we've seen that used in movies in the past, Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow being two examples that come right off the top of my head. Um, I think that Palm Springs finds a very unique way to utilize that storytelling concept here. And it does yield uh, a lot of rewards on multiple viewings. I, I agree, Dan. I, t- I too have uh, seen it now twice. And the uh, second time was just as good as the first time, not just for its comedic elements, but also too for, like you said, that first act and then seeing how everything kind of neatly ties together in a very compact 90 minutes um, is oh, really, yeah. really well done. Yeah, it, it, it is so efficient in its storytelling and that's kind of remarkable given that the premise is like we have to watch people do the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. or more or less the same thing over and over again and it's a lot of fun i am an andy samberg agnostic and i found him <laughs> incredibly charming in this so like that's a lot of points in this movie's favor um and also like honestly like cast kristen Milioti and everything I, I, it's so funny. Every time she popped up on screen, my roommate was like, "That's my, that's my wife, Teresha. She, uh, she cuts hair <laughs> from uh, Wolf of Wall Street." <laughs> I was like, "Really, really? <laughs> like that's? Oh my gosh!" But it's true. It's true. That's like the last time that I feel like a lot of people like recognized her. But this, I think, will be her big breakout role, and I think she's going to get a lot more uh, roles offered to her after this for sure. God, I hope so. Nicole, thoughts on Palm Springs? So. Like Dan said, uh, it's a very timely movie. I got more emotional watching it than I thought I was going to. I was like, oh, this looks fun. Like halfway through, I'm like, this is such a fun movie. And then at the end, I'm like, I'm so emotional. Um, Which again, I think has to 
do with being a single person in quarantine. Um, but I will say, like, I love a 90-minute movie. I think this movie is the perfect length. I think it uses its 90 minutes really well. I think it's a really fun premise. And obviously, we've seen the time loop thing before, but we've never seen it done in exactly this way. And it felt very unique and fresh. And it's it's the kind of movie that, like, I've been recommending to, to people ever since I watched it last night. I've been texting friends, like, if you have Hulu, watch this. Because I do think it's one of the most interesting films that's come out this year. Okay. All right. Cody Derricks. Just kind of echoing what everybody else said. This movie is adorable. It's really funny. Like, funny, funny. And, yeah, I think if it gets the audience and the attention it frankly deserves, I could see this being one of the things we look back on as, like, the defining uh art we all mass consume during quarantine up there with like tiger king and animal crossing just and i think (laughs) even more than those because it like everybody else has said it actually is like thematically appropriate in a like frighteningly synergistic way um yeah i also thought andy samberg was great and i'm really really impressed with christian milati she might be my favorite lead actress performance of the year so far. And I really hope she gets at the very least. uh, Yeah. Some golden globes attention. All right. And last but not least, Josh Parm. So I'm going to say that overall, I did really like this movie. I thought it was uh, charming and adorable. Like everybody has said, I will also note for myself though, that I think that the first half of this movie was a little frustrating for me. If only because I think that, That's where a lot of its comedy just didn't particularly land. There's a lot of like, you know, look at this awkward situation happening. And that's just usually not my speed when it comes to what I pick up on with comedy. And there's a lot of that, I think, in the first half of this movie. But the second half calms down with that a bit. And I think that's when you really get a really rich thematic uh, commentary going on. And I found myself appreciating that a great deal more. And it made up for some of my lack of enthusiasm in the first sections of this movie. And overall, I I still think that it is very well done. I think the performances from the two leads are particularly endearing. And yeah, it's the perfect movie for our time right now. And I would certainly recommend it. I want to piggyback off of uh, what Josh is saying here with my first uh, note, first and foremost. And that is um, the character's name is Niles. All right. Let's not... Let's not hide the fact here that this movie is rooted in nihilism, okay? (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about that uh, for a minute here, because I think that when the film starts to dive into uh, the question of whether or not if life is meaningless... Um, I think that's where the movie really, really starts to find its strength. Yes, the first, uh, first part of the movie, first act, if you will, it's all set up, right? And then the second uh, act is uh, Kristen Milotti, uh, you know, kind of dealing with the frustrations as uh, our audience surrogate of like kind of experiencing this time loop and trying to figure out ways to bust out of it. And then like midway through the second act, that's where things start getting pretty philosophical. And I wanted to uh, get some thoughts and some readings here on uh, what you guys thought about how the film handled uh, those conversations, because they can get very heady and self-serious, but I never felt like it ever tipped into that territory here. Yeah, I didn't think it got like, and this is going to sound like a strange criticism, but it didn't get overly intellectual in its explorations of its own being. And like, there's there's some, you know, sciencey mumbo jumbo here and there, but I'm not, it doesn't, I, I was able to kind of just 
let it roll off my back, which I think is what the movie wanted us to do anyway. And I think what I found most interesting about the way they were talking about the time loop is that like it's a lot of talk about the meaninglessness of life and what we do there, but it also kind of unwillingly serves, maybe not unwillingly, but not obviously serves as a metaphor for like any sort of repetitive behavior. I was most struck by how much the characters are drinking the entire time. And that could be, you know, there's like a commentary there that's definitely not too hard to find about like addiction, how it makes the days roll together and numbs you over. So I think that kind of philosophical exploration can be explored a lot on the audience's part by themselves. And the movie is kind of just like leading you to that. Also, too, I don't know what uh, type of beer that is. I think it was made up for the movie because, goddamn, what product placement if that was real? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They found a way to put in a lot of this, like, philosophical talk, but layer it just enough so that it doesn't feel too heady and pretentious. And like you can, it's easy to figure out like, oh, they're not just talking about their situation. They're talking about life in general, or they're talking about life for an addict or all these things. But it's written so well that it doesn't feel like groaningly obvious, which I appreciated. You know, it was very interesting. I was thinking about our American Sniper review we just did recently. And there was one point in the movie where uh, Niall says, yeah, they may not remember, but you got to live with the stuff that you've done. And I was like, my God, how is it that Palm Springs is a better commentary on the tortures of the soul than American Sniper? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) But I think you do find that in most of these like time loop stories that they are commentaries about how we get into rhythms in our lives and that days can feel very similar to each other. And, you know, that's something that even before the end times that we're living in right now, you know, that we've all kind of experienced. And I agree that I think the movie finds a way to comment on that in a way that feels genuine and yeah there's sciencey stuff but it doesn't pay that much attention to it and i agree that we're not supposed to really ourselves as an audience give that much attention to it either i would also just say that i feel like most of that is in towards like the back end of the movie and i agree that all of that is there but it doesn't you know really come into focus until we get really further into the story and the setup I just didn't really find all that engaging. Like, it was fine, but most of that, like, comedy stuff that they were doing, I, it just didn't really land for me personally. And it wasn't until it really started to ramp up into the more deeper thematic commentary that I found, my, found myself getting really engaged by it. My, um, so, you know, so my roommate, ever since uh, the pandemic happened, he's been pretty much home for every podcast that I've done. And he tells me all the time, he's like, Matt, it's like, it's just constant. It's constant. I'm like, what is, what is? I'm like, my voice or like, what, what, what? And he's like, no, I just always hear you saying, all right, everybody. He's like, he's like, I hear that. He's like, in my dreams, I'm hearing it now. Uh, so, Josh, I totally understand what you mean in regards to the mundanity and like the repetition aspect of it all. It, 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 it's there. I totally get it. One of the questions I want to ask everybody, I want to start off with Amanda uh, and I'll go around and ask all of you is uh, what do you guys think of this idea that like put yourself in the shoes of Niles? If you were stuck in a time loop. You know, we see how he handles it in the movie, and we don't know necessarily how long he's actually been stuck in there. Uh, but he's pretty much done everything you could possibly imagine. 
if you were stuck in a time loop, uh, what are some things or maybe the first thing that you would do uh, right away? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, I probably would tell someone off. There were no consequences. <laughs> Just like blow off that steam, basically. <laughs> Finally, yeah. I mean, I have to say, as somebody whose sister is getting married, married, it would, it is a horrifying thought that I'd have to keep reliving that day over and over again. So, I definitely would probably be borderline alcoholic, like these two. It's, I'm like, raise a glass. Uh, Amanda, but- I thought you said you would kill someone, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd probably tell someone off because there would be no consequences. So yeah, I'd finally tell that one person. I have a lot of calls to make, and there are a lot of instances where that does happen in this movie too. Uh, which I, I, I love um, when Chris Milati uh, tells off uh, Tyler. Uh, wait, what's his name again? That guy, Hocklin. Tyler Hocklin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty boy. I don't know. Superman. Husband. Yeah. Uh, br- uh, you know, groom. Superman. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Cody, what about you? So I would love to say I would like learn French, but the <laughs> quarantine has taught me that like when the chips are down, I still will not like pick up a book. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I mean, this is pandering because of this podcast, but I probably would just like watch a lot of movies. I don't know. I think I would just, you know, use the time to like get that checklist, out, uh, you know, checked off. And I, I would hopefully, you know, learn how to knit or something, do something engaging. <laughs> I for my brain. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you, Amanda. When we're sucking this together, we can <laughs> teach you how to knit. It's also interesting, too, because they make a point in the movie to saying that they don't age. So you legitimately are like you have all the time in the world and you're immortal. So, yeah, I, I would I would try to watch like every movie <laughs> ever made. <laughs> oh, God, maybe maybe I would really be sick of movies by that point. I don't know. You probably would. That's a lot of movies. <laughs> Jesus. Dan Bear. Oh, Lord. I mean, like Cody said, like you have these dreams, but as we've learned, like <laughs> in over the past four months, the things don't always work out that way. Um, although, like, given that there are no consequences to your actions and you can only learn, like, I probably would, like, at least it, for a while try to figure out how to be better at like interpersonal relations, like try to figure everyone out so that they, I can make them all my best friend. It's interesting. I like that. That's like the less creepy version of what Bill Murray does in Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole. I, I have two things. One is I do actually think I would be like, it's time to watch all the movies I want to watch, all the TV that I never get to because like it feels like there's never enough time. And I would read so many books. Um, but also, presumably, I could eat whatever I wanted and not have any effects. Like I would subsist on like Taco Bell and cake and it would be great. Like honestly, the time loop doesn't sound that bad to me right now. <laughs> Nicole is definitely Chris Milati teaching herself quantum physics in the diner. That's that's Nicole. <laughs> that's me. It's yeah. Occasionally popping open the uh, laptop and tuning into Criterion Channel uh, between chapters yeah. in the book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Josh Parm? Uh, well, one thing, obviously, is that I would just stop 
uh, clocking into work in the mornings. That'd be the number one thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Right on that. Yep. <laughs> and then I would probably get in my car and then just drive to as many places as I can because I miss traveling, especially right now. And it's like, Dave's just going to reset. Let's just point myself in one direction and go wherever I, I see fit. I have to admit that like something that I thought about a little bit uh, that the movie doesn't necessarily I don't know if it explores it deep enough, but um, there are when you have absolutely no consequences, you can really see like the bottom of human nature in a lot of ways. And, you know, you can upset someone by just simply skipping out on their wedding day or um, attempting to like, you know, sleep with a person uh, in a very, very short span of time as Niles like tries to do. And he also, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I would bet you, even though this isn't in the movie, I bet you Niles has just killed someone for the sake of just doing it. I bet you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the movie probably just omitted that because uh, we have to keep him as a likable character. But I also think about, like, all the pain that he's probably, like, been through as well, where if he doesn't get a quick death, doesn't he say at one point, like, dying in the ICU is, like, the worst yeah. thing? Dying slowly in the ICU? Uh, because when he wakes up the next morning, he remembers that pain and it's not like he would ever probably build a tolerance for it necessarily. At least I don't think so. And all the ways that JK Simmons like kills him in this, uh, movie, uh, shows that Niles has just undergone like serious, serious traumatic effects that the movie doesn't, I don't think really explore. This is all short for me to say that I would try to avoid violence as much as humanly possible. Um, I, I appreciate that the movie does kind of dive into that a little bit because, you know, there is always that aspect of human nature that uh, would probably, from a curiosity standpoint, explore that. But at the end of the day, I think that I would just try to consume uh, something from a knowledge standpoint. And it's very interesting, too, right? Because we all are living in a pandemic right now. And I think we've all at some point or another said to ourselves, all right, well, I'm indoors. I'm not going anywhere. This is my time to do this, learn this, etc. And isn't it just really, really funny how even though we're not stuck in a time loop and the days do keep moving on, uh, like Cody and French, we kind of don't do it. I, like, I think about back when I was busy, busier, going to work every day and, you know, time commuting and such. And I would say stuff to myself like, oh, if I only had a little bit more time, I could do this. I could do this. And it's weird how when we're given the time, we still don't really do it. I, I, I would like to think that if there was a time loop and the day just reset, I, I truly, truly would. I would like to think yeah. that I would do yeah. something, you know, whether it was more physical activity or, like I said, learning another language or whatever it might be. I think part of what keeps us right now, though, is that, like, there's the idea that, like, yes, we have more time, but we don't know when it's going to end. And I always get very overwhelmed by how much there is that I want to do. Yeah. And so I end up not doing enough of any one thing. Whereas I feel like if you had this time loop, like, you you presumably have forever. So you could be like, well, today, you know, for the next 30 days, I'm going to work on French. And then after that, I'm going to just watch movies for however long and, you know. It's like when you have all these uh, streaming services and there's so much to watch and you browse through and then you find that you realize you've been browsing for 45 minutes oh and you haven't God. actually watched anything. And then you just watch cat videos on YouTube. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 
Or yeah. you watch the same movie that you've seen a million times <laughs> yeah. for the million and first time. Exactly. <laughs> and this is why movie is the best streaming service of all time. Okay, so <laughs> back to the movie itself. Um, I really dug the montages and the editing of this film. Uh, and especially, like, as I said before, because it's really, really compact and it's really got no fat on it whatsoever. Um, I really, really appreciated that about this. What did you guys think of that? Um, yeah, the montages once uh, Kristen Milioti's character um, accepts the fact that there is no getting out of the time loop are really well done. And well done in a way that, like, you don't just buy the two of them becoming close. You buy their deeper connection, you know, on a level that's beyond just the romantic. And it's really hard to get that right, I think. Well, I was just going to say that for me, I'm actually a little bit more mixed on the montages. I think some of them are very effective, but I think there are other times when it, and and I have said this before that I just think that the humor in it is just something that isn't always hitting on my sensibilities. Like I, I know there's one moment in their montage where they go back into that bar and they're like doing this dance routine. And I, I admit I was just sitting there thinking like, I don't know why this is supposed to be funny. I think they think this is very funny, but it's not really working for me. But there's other times when it, actually kind of goes further into the character work and i did appreciate that but i feel like some of the montages in terms of their uh effectiveness is just a little inconsistent for me see i find montages in comedies a lot of the time especially to be kind of the most unrealistic part of any comedy because mm -hmm. when they're full of like quick little snippets it's people doing like the craziest zaniest things that people wouldn't actually do even in the world of the movie um, mm -hmm. but because of the setup of this movie, they actually would do those crazy things. So I thought that was kind of a nice innovation of the use of montage in a comedy that I hadn't seen before, frankly. And you know, what is uh, something that I was actually really impressed by with this. And I know I kind of said this, uh, when we watched, um, King of Staten Island a few weeks ago, but I was actually more impressed on a second viewing at how well shot this movie is. Hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that like in a sense of like best cinematography winner or anything like that. I'm just saying that in regards to it being just something that I found to be pleasing and uh, to look at, um, not just with the editing of the film and its rhythm, but also just aesthetically, like, you know, like visually looking at it, um, the warm hues of California Palm Springs, you know, I thought lent itself very well to this movie. Yeah, I, I agree with, with that. And I, I think that there are, it was more lighthearted. There wasn't a cynicism to this film that yeah. often takes place with these types of my days repeating, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think so, too. It's light in, in that regard. You know, I, and I mean, there's a pizza float, for goodness sake. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> want that so bad. Me, too. <laughs> Same. I just want to echo what Amanda said, because I part of the reason I don't like the movie Groundhog Day, which I know is like a, a capital sin. Um, is because it is so mean-spirited and cynical, and it doesn't have really any joy to my mind in, in like, the, the most apparent sense. And it's just about this guy trying to, like, <laughs> learn everything about a woman, and I'm, I'm frankly not interested in that. I, I also don't find it funny, but that's just a personal thing. And this movie is not 
any of that at all. Okay, so I know we all kind of touched upon Andy Samberg, Kristen Milotti, who I, I think is one of the best like on-screen like duos of this year, just in regards to their chemistry. I think they play off each other so incredibly well in this. But I have to say, personally, this is maybe my favorite J.K. Simmons performance since Whiplash. I do like him in this movie a lot. It's very, he gets to do what he does best. It's that it's that uh, scene in the third act with him and Andy Samberg that sealed the deal for me. Well, I would say that scene in the third act is what makes his entire point in this movie worth it. Because I think in the beginning, he's meant to be this very over-the-top presence. And I think your mileage will vary on how effective you feel that to be. But once you get to that moment, it provides the greater context of what you were watching before. And they sell it very well. I still think that his his uh, first few scenes I'm not totally sold on just in terms of their execution. But by the time you get to that moment, that's when it really fully crystallizes. So at least by that point, it is really well done. I like his um, scene where he first meets Ma- uh, Niles for the first time and they're partying together and like doing drugs. Yes. And it's just it's just really fun to watch J.K. Simmons having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, he's a lot of fun in this movie, and like I will hear him saying "shit bird" until my time. <laughs> I did love that whole scene and how Andy Samberg is like, you know, the traffic's really bad. Do you mind just killing me? It's like traffic's bad, you know. Also, too, I was like surprised and shocked that it was a shot to the heart. I thought for sure he was going to shoot him in the head because I was like. What if he doesn't die right away? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I also have to say my other favorite performance in the movie and like one of my critiques of the movie is that this person isn't in it more is Peter Gallagher um, as the dad character. I wish that he could just play the dad in like everything ever because um, I think he's so effective at that type of role. But, you know, like you've got the line that Dan quoted earlier. Um I just think his bits are so funny and I think that he helps ground the movie a little bit so that some of the emotional stakes that come later uh, have a better place to land. I do agree with Nicole that I wish that uh, characters that were part of the wedding party itself had just a little bit more to do. Um, The little tiny moments they get, they make the most of them that they can. Uh, But this is really the Andy Samberg, Kristen Milotti, special guest starring J.K. Simmons show. And I love that that Andy Samberg has hooked up with everyone in the wedding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's like, I might be heterosexual, but now that I'm in this loop, let's try guys out. Yeah, right? <laughs> and somehow that didn't come across as condescending or like homophobic at all. No, no. it came off as like realistic. They're like, yeah, I, I could see how yeah. that happened. Sure, why not? I love that he tried to sleep with the bride herself. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big interrupting the first dance. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was fun. It was good. Okay, final final thoughts. Uh, something that we didn't talk about, or something you want to reiterate. Uh, let's hear first from Cody. I've touched on almost everything I liked about this movie. Um, I wrote the review for the site, and uh, I couldn't you know give it any more than i guess this is a spoiler for the final grade but an eight out of ten but i also couldn't really come up with 
any sweeping criticisms. Not to say this is a perfect movie at all, because it's it's not obviously, but like it's just kind of it's just it's just a nice, perfect little watch for especially these times we're in. I mean, the runtime is fucking perfect and it's yes, you know, it is. it's it's already there on your tv so definitely check it out okay all right uh amanda i thought it was perfect and delight delightful uh the runtime helps it out with no fat on it and i like the fact that kristen malati wasn't being like manipulated into falling in love with uh andy sandberg's character i like that they're like partners in it yes oh my I, the, the, my big thing like when the movie started and he like goes after her in that way i'm like is this trying to pull a passengers oh yeah mm. and i was so glad it didn't go there and it's I could see how easily wow that was a good comparison there Dan because I could see how easily it could have fallen into that yeah I mean that's what yeah. Groundhog Day is like that's he's just learning as much as he can about this one person in the hopes that like learning everything about her will make her make her fall in love with them yeah yeah wow hmm. uh, Amanda what's your grade my grade oh I was gonna say six but I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten because the next suggestion after I watched this was for your consideration <laughs> oh my god so for that reason it gets a pump up <laughs> love it <laughs> love it Josh Parm the only other thing that I would mention is why the hell is June Squid in this movie <laughs> that seems so strange to me that because now when you have a grandmother it must be played by june squibb that is the law of hollywood i know but it's like she's in this movie for two minutes and you know you got an oscar nominee in your movie like you can do better for june squibb that just seemed very strange to me uh but overall like i said i i find that this is a movie that does have some issues but it is still very effective in the story that it is trying to tell and i do also really Love these central performances. Um, I think actually in particular from Samberg, who I I don't even think I've seen like a ton of stuff that he's been in. I'm sort of like with Dan, I can kind of take him or leave him. But I think that he actually gives a really interesting performance here. And I would probably say it is the best thing that he's ever done. So I would I would say that he's great. And Kristen Milati is also she's got a lot of like emotional weight to her character as well. And she pulls it off flawlessly also so with all of that i would i'd give the movie a seven out of ten you know it's something that i liked i didn't love it but it is perfectly fine watching material especially in these times and i can't imagine anybody walking away from it and not having somewhat of a good time with it okay all right nicole I think that the only thing that we haven't talked about that i wanted to say was that i think it's actually got a very solid script um, there's some really nice lines in it. Like, oh my God, when she calls him a pretentious sad boy, like <laughs> I felt that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that it actually, its script is one of its stronger elements. Um, and I'm curious to see if that is able to go anywhere. Uh, otherwise I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorite movies that I've watched this year, but I do think it's something that everyone could get something out of. And I think that it is so uniquely suited to when it came out that it almost feels a little bit like frightening. Um, so like, like these are the people who are benefiting from the pandemic. If anyone is um, because it made their movie more relevant than it would have otherwise been, but I enjoyed it and I give it an eight out of 10. All right. 
Dan Bear. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone sort of said everything that I would say. It's it's just an enjoyable, fun movie that I cannot wait to watch over and over forever and ever. Amen. Um, <laughs> I the one thing that I think um, we that I at least didn't really touch on the way I wanted to um, is that it's um oh well it's, like nicole was saying like i think the supporting cast is kind of done a little dirty um by the movie because they're all so good and they have nothing to do whatsoever and it i i enjoyed them all so much yeah I love that bartender. <laughs> yeah. The bartender is great. And like her little moment when she when her and Andy Slamberger yeah. sleeping together is so funny. <laughs> it's so random. Um, I do have one last thing to bring about here, and it's something that we haven't talked about. Um, spoilers though. It's it's the end of the movie. And I wanna just know what you all thought about because I don't know about you guys, but I could have sworn. If you would, if you had said to me in in that moment, right then and there, hey Matt, I'll wager you that it cuts to black. I would have been like, yep, I take that bet. <laughs> and when the bomb explodes, goes to white, then it goes to black. I would have been like, end movie, end movie, right there. It's not about whether or not if they make it or not. It's all about like the feelings that they have for each other in this moment, and nothing else matters. But then they do have uh, that little scene at the end where it does show the audience that they did make it out and that they are going to uh, make it through, uh, hopefully as a couple, like through the rest of their days together. So I'm just curious to get some feedback on what you guys thought about uh, that decision, because I personally could have seen it go either way. Well, and I like that they, what I do like about the ending is that they didn't, they let the question of whether or not they made it out go until just about the very last second, really. Like, they they spend that whole time kind of being like, well, did they make it out or didn't they make it out? It could be either. Like lounging in the pool the way that they are? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I actually really liked that. I thought it was kind of fun. Um I, I, I yeah, think I, you need. I think you need the the resolution. I mean, it's, it's not the Sopranos. You know, it's like it needs to. You need to have the yeah, yeah. the finality of it. I, <laughs> I, I I was okay with that. My roommate like turned to me and he was like, "You're such a film critic for suggesting that shit." He's like, "That's the kind of ending that film critics like. The general audiences don't." <laughs> yeah, nobody actually wants that. <laughs> You're right. Especially yeah. in a comedy. I think especially in a comedy like that's not what people want. If this yeah, is a more I, serious film, I could see it ending that way. But I, I think it would um, kind of bring it down too much. I think you need that to end as you started on a lighter note. Yeah, the tone of this, I don't think really relegates itself to having that more ambiguous ending. At the same time, I do think that having it be so neatly just the next day was maybe a little disappointing because they had this sort of um, insinuation that, you know, we don't know where we could end up. And it would have been fun if they maybe played with, like, exactly where they were thrown out of the loop, especially since they kind of hinted that that might happen. So the fact that it was just the next day was, I think, maybe a missed opportunity just on a little bit of a note in terms of potential there. But 
I mean, I still think that you need some kind of resolution for the type of movie that this is. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It has, for a comedy, it has to have a, a resolution. Yeah, and I'll say this too. Good on Niles. He's most likely going to marry a uh, quantum physics scientist. So that's that's pretty that's pretty baller. <laughs> <laughs> I also did like, like the whole thing at the end. Like you have a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Fred. I did like that, too. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, eight out of ten for me. And I guess the only thing that's left really to discuss here. And I know we touched upon it a little bit is um, I, I, I could see a world where we get uh all three actor, actress, and picture comedy musical uh, nominations at Globes. Uh, it, it's potentially, it, it's there. Um, what do you guys think? Absolutely. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, right now, since it seems like their studios are interested in getting the heavier films out for Oscars, it could definitely, you know, they like Andy Samberg. He's hosted, he's won in the past. Right now, he's kind of in the front runner status, and I'd say look out for it at the Independent Spirit Awards. It seems like the perfect kind of on the beak. We're gonna, it's got, it's gonna make some top ten lists for comedies this year, I think, because there's just not a lot out. I agree with that. I, I, I think I could very easily see the showing up at like Independent Spirit Awards, like you said, and like maybe even like the editing category. Or mm-hmm. um, I also wouldn't counted out for the Oscars for original screenplay. That's what I was going to just say. Yeah. I I think that given the way the year is going so far and who knows what other movies are going to get released uh, in the second half of this year as of right now. Yeah. Let's put it, let's put it in the contender list. I mean, I would. Yeah. Why not? Josh, Josh, what do you think? You're the most critical of the film. What, what, What do you think? From my perspective, I find it I – I feel like this movie will get globes and that's it. That's my instinct about it. But at the same time, you know, the writer, the writer's branch are usually the ones that take to these types of high-concept movies. And if there's enough love for it throughout uh, the year, it, it could – we're also in a very unpredictable moment right now with the awards race. So like all of the instincts that I usually have are like out the window. Cause I don't know what's going to happen, but my initial feeling is that this is a big globe contender and maybe it'll show up in a writing precursor here or there. Maybe WGA would go for it, but I feel like it would come up short, but that's just my general read of things right now. I agree. Like in a normal film year, I think that's exactly the trajectory it would take. It would get that WGA nomination because, you know, typical uh, contenders drop off due to eligibility. And yeah, they've done comedies in the past more than the Oscars have. So that makes a lot of sense. And I would say that, yeah, it wouldn't get the Oscar nomination, but it would get that Globes love at the very least. So I'm going to hold to that for the time being until we see how many more releases do come out uh, later this year. Because right now, we don't know what is coming out that's going to compete against this in original screenplay. So why not just float with the idea for a little bit on that pizza float, you know? <laughs> <laughs> why not? You know? Exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that'll do it here for our review of Palm Springs here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Amanda, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. I'm looking for a pizza float, but um, <laughs> at Miss Amanda Spears on Twitter. Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Danson Dan on film. Nicole Ackman. I am at Nicole Ackman 16 pretty much everywhere on the internet. 
Cody Derricks. I'm on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter at CodyMonster91. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me drinking whatever those beers are at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Palm Springs here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player, FMA, Cast, CastBox, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Next time.